Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. Hi, Nancy. Last episode, we talked directly to board members and how they can center accountability to community, purpose, and organization in their focus. Executive directors and other staff leaders, let's talk about how you can support a well-functioning board in today's episode. Absolutely. You know, we've been part of a few surveys and conversations with staff leaders, and the number one topic that keeps coming up relates to boards. It just comes up everywhere I go. I see it online. I see it in surveys. I see it when I visit folks. And so we've got to talk about this board topic. The pandemic cut off a lot of the orientations and board training experiences. I mentioned in the last episode that there is a new on-demand board class, and we'll make sure that that's in the show notes so that you can bring your whole board together to learn together. So many staff members are returning to refocus their energy on the board. Let's unpack what that might mean. Right. So if we're honest, there are a few big barriers to being a really good, effective board. And I think the biggest two that I hear are time and clarity of expectations. So again, if we're talking to staff members or executive directors, or maybe board chairs, if you're an all-volunteer organization in this episode, um, you need to think about board members' time. They're volunteers. They have full and busy lives. And in general, they're often people who are incredibly effective and high achieving. That's why you ask them to be on their board, which means their plates are really, really full. And as the staff member or perhaps board chair supporting them, you have to make things effective, efficient, and expansive, meaning you have to help them think bigger, broader. That's what keeps them engaged and excited. So time will be something we're talking about in this episode quite a bit. Another barrier that I think many board members face is a clarity around expectation. Um, I have not done a scientific poll on this, but I'm willing to bet that 98% of the people who join a board do so because they love the mission and they actually want to make a difference. Again, they're also probably highly capable people who are used to achieving goals that they set out. Again, that's why you ask them to be on their board. But when you put those two things together, so high achieving people who want to do good and you give them little clarity on what doing good looks like, you tend to get a lot of misguided advice and efforts that staff members wander around grumbling about. So taking the time to be clear with them about what you need and want and what what is helpful and then making it doable in a time frame that works for them, that's what gets you the secret sauce to rowing in the same direction. I think this is so important. You've highlighted the two big barriers and I just want to, their time and what are the roles. And that that is so, and this notion of like, even if you thought about everything your board does through that lens of time. How do we make it more effective, more efficient, and how do we make time more expansive? Like we, you know, just a little trick of the trade is adding non-board members to your committees. I mean, right there, you've expanded the number of hours doing the work, right? Yep. So, I mean, there's just this notion of, of time and then roles, a little bit of training and guidance and conversation up front can make the whole thing much more efficient, can't it? Absolutely. So let's make this super clear and tangible. In the last episode, we explored the three components of accountability, community, 
purpose and organization. And I want to unpack those a little bit with your help, Nancy, and clarify what you can do as staff to set your board up for success in each of those areas. Absolutely. So let's just remind ourselves, when we say a board is accountable to the community, what we're really talking about is understanding that the board represents the community to the organization and the organization to the community, that you've made a promise in, in being a, a nonprofit or a 501c3. And so you have to be accountable to that promise. Right. So what can you do as a staff member to help them be successful? First thing you can do is you can actually have a board matrix. And I believe we have an episode on that. We do. <laughs> <laughs> to help you see where your gaps are in representing your community. And that can be on demographic factors. It could be on geographical factors. It could be on expertise factors, you know, we're all, we're all multidimensional there. So it's really important to have that board matrix that helps you see where your gaps are so that you're actually supporting your board in being truly representative of the community. So that's one thing absolutely you can, you can start doing right now. A second thing you can do is to provide space at each board meeting for community members to share the community conversations they're having out there. What are they actually hearing? So This is really valuable. And I would say 10 times better than listening to a report on the latest communications from the organization. You can do that in a written form. (laughs) Send it to them via email before the meeting. Spend those 10 minutes instead asking your board members to share what they're hearing in the community about your organization or your purpose, the bigger cause, the bigger movement. There might be silence for a while, but putting it on the agenda signals to them that that's something they're supposed to be listening for or conversations they're supposed to try to generate. And that is powerful. It also gives an opportunity for you as a staff person to hear things that you might not hear in your community. And it gives you an opportunity to help them think about how they might respond to something challenging. Sometimes a board member will say, oh, I just got cornered in the grocery store. You know, someone didn't like whatever we did last week and I didn't know what to say. And then another board member will pop up and say, oh, well, in that situation, here's what I say. And you've just casually sort of relatively informally helped someone be a better ambassador. I love this because we talk about board members represent the community to the organization. But if we think about it, we don't actually give them any real space to do that. Mm-hmm. We don't live up to that goal of ours, do we, at all? It's a simple structural problem. Just build it into every meeting. It's It will take time to take off. It will take, you know, and you just have to sit there and put it on every agenda. You know, and the thing that triggers in my mind is, one, there might be some skill building around being a sleuth. Like, mm. how do you look for things? How do you hear things? I bet there's some uh, planning around who's going to go to what. Like, hey, there's a community meeting, you know, here or there or who's going to who's going to be there so we can listen to what's happening at town hall or listen to what our partner organization is doing. I just right there, you could build out a whole little skill building exercise. I love it. Yep. Every every meeting. You know, two other quick ideas. One is anytime you have a big decision coming up or you're about to change direction in something or launch something new. As a staff person, it's worth taking a minute to write down two or three bullet points in the words that you would use to answer questions in the community. So I actually create frequently asked questions is the kind of form I do talking points in. So what question am I anticipating a community member asking? And then how would I answer it? I'm not giving that to the board 
asking them to memorize my answer. They'll say it in their own way, but I've found it really helps them to see how I formulate an answer, makes them more confident and able to form their own. And finally, when the board is about to discuss at a meeting some sort of big decision, maybe actually include in the written agenda for that meeting a couple of prompt questions that you know are important to the community, like how would our community feel about our decision if we make decision A or decision B? Just to get everyone thinking. And I have found when those questions are actually written on the agenda, number one, they get asked and discussed. But two, when people see them ahead of time, it helps frame their how they come into that conversation. They're ready to then have a dialogue back and forth on it. That framing thing is so important because it reflects the fact that we understand that board members are volunteers who have busy lives outside of this. So even if you get together once a month, you're asking people to remember where we are and what we need to be talking about from you know May to June to July, and who can remember that? So it is incumbent upon us to frame the question that is most on the minds of the staff or the executive director so that they can focus their energy on answering the questions we need them to be thinking about and not some random question that isn't very helpful. Perfect. And that's exactly back to how you deal with the barriers of clarity of role and time. Yeah. If you don't feed some questions there, they'll come up with their own answers to other questions in an attempt to be helpful. <laughs> right. And if you, by giving them some questions ahead of time, you're creating an efficiency in time. So they, they know what they should be pondering on the next walk they go on before the board meeting. So let's shift to purpose. And just as a reminder, purpose is the reason why you exist. It's the difference that you're hoping to make in the world. And we talked about how purpose drives us to work in collaboration with others and to, to understand your piece in the larger impact that you're making. Right. So I can think of a handful of things that show you're supporting their efforts toward purpose. The first will not sound like rocket science, but it's just a reminder that it's actually important to set aside time to be purposeful. And I hope every board has an opportunity to do a board retreat. That doesn't have to be fancy. You know, you don't have to fly everybody to Hawaii, but you could, <laughs> but you can you can just have that, you know, extra time, like a half day retreat to, to be reflective and make sure that in that retreat, you actually do a series of exercises around what is our why. It's remarkably simple, hardly ever done and really, really powerful. Um, and then I think also as a staff person, you can support this by curating. And that word is really important. You can't just forward every article you see about your purpose on, but you're curating one or two articles a month or you know, however often you meet that provide that context. So maybe it's additional research or something another group is doing, or maybe in another community, an inspiring story around your same movement and mission. And you share it with your board so that they are reading and getting that bigger, expansive view of where your purpose fits in. I think you could also, again, back to structure, what you do in your board meetings is how you reflect what matters. <laughs> so if we're talking about collaboration as a way to broaden the movement, bring a collaborator in. Have 20 minutes on your agenda to just hear from a collaborator about how they see your purpose from their perspective. 
which is probably, you know, 60 degrees separate from where yours is. Mm -hmm. And it just opens up the conversation. You don't need to do that every meeting, but maybe twice a year. Invite a collaborator in and expand the board conversation. Then this sounds really, really funny, but I have found it powerful to simply ask board members to come to a meeting. They get a little homework assignment where they write one paragraph about what they think your organizational purpose is, and then they share it with each other. And it is an incredible moment when either you find they're all singing in the same harmony um, Mm -hmm. or you find, wow, we have really different emphasis on what matters in our organization. Let's have a conversation about it. And sometimes doing that, maybe prior to a board retreat, sets up that why conversation in your retreat. And I think this goes to our goal with time to be expansive, because if you have tapped into somebody's why and you get them to fall in love again with why they're here, they're going to spend more time doing the what and the how, right? And I find it so interesting, as I've met with so many boards where they don't talk about the why. So I was leading one board retreat, and it was about international issues. And I talked to the board chair, and I said, why are you on this board? And he was like, well, of course, because I represent, I don't know, Boeing or some company. I'm like, no, but why are you on this board? And finally, after like stammering around for a while, he said, because when I was, he was probably 60 years old, because when I was 20, I did a study abroad program in France and I had this experience that changed my life. And so that's when I fell in love with travel and the world. And, and he looked surprised as if I turned a light on for him. And it struck me as such a simple exercise. Yep. Why are you here? And yet we don't do it. And going back to respecting that barrier of time, if I'm a busy person, honestly, at the end of the day, I only want to spend whatever little excess time I have on things that are deeply meaningful to me. Giving me an exercise to think about that either highlights for me how meaningful this service is, as it did for the gentleman you're talking about, or it highlights for me that... I don't actually know how to answer that for this. And perhaps my space on that board would better be served by someone who does. And that's invaluable. So it's a great way to respect their time by actually asking them to do an assignment. I think you actually respect their time. And the sharing that happens out of that builds relationships. It builds trust. It creates, you know, you invest that time on the front end so that when you have a hard decision or something coming down the pike, you are ready to engage because you trust and have relationship with each other. Absolutely. So our third category here is organization. And when we talk about organization, we're talking about how a board has accountability to the structure that delivers on this mission, and that is your your organization. How do staff members support a board to be accountable to the organization? That's a good question. And the first and foremost, like baseline, you have a board orientation. You just have to. Mm -hmm. And ideally, it's tailored to the individual. You know, you treat each back to our board matrix conversation where, you know, we're hoping for that Excel document with multiple tabs. I acknowledge that the kinds of information Nancy needs to feel confident and able to participate in the board might be different than the kinds of information Joe needs, just because you come at the issue from hopefully a diversity of perspectives and viewpoints and expertise. So I think a tailored orientation for each board member is an absolute must. And investing the time doing that as a staff person, that's going to save you hours and hours and hours down the road. I also think it's really valuable. Every nonprofit, I've never met a nonprofit that doesn't deal 
in acronyms or shorthands or some kind of lingo. And if you remember a time when you felt new to something, the number one thing, aside from outright aggression, which hopefully doesn't happen in board meetings, and the number one thing that can make you feel like an outsider is not understanding what's being talked about. And acronyms and lingo, they do that instantaneously. So I have a board member who literally took every, he's been taking notes for months and he created a list of all the acronyms or all the shorthand or lingo that we use. And he's defined it all and then gave it to us as staff and said, okay, you correct these things. Like, what have I been hearing wrong? (laughs) Which was fascinating. Mm -hmm. But now we have that and we can give that to each new board member say, hey, you know, one of the ways you're going to feel like you belong on this team is that you understand how we talk. And here's a cheat sheet for you on that. Mm, Awesome idea. Yeah. You can make your financials digestible. We have a whole episode on kind of dashboards and things like that to kind of break the mystery of your organizational finances down into something that is actually something a lay person without a CPA degree who might not even balance their own checkbook can know like, oh, we should be worried about our income stream or mm, looks like our expenses are too high. You want your group to have that conversation and you want to be thinking about how do I present my financials, not just as the printed report from QuickBooks. How do I present my financials in a way that pose the questions that we want them to answer? And then finally, this will sound really funny, but I'm a huge fan of the worksheet. Now, maybe that's because my mother was an elementary school teacher and I remember her printing them out on the ditto machine way back in the day. But anytime I ask our board members to do something, like think about something ahead of time or um, participate in something, maybe it's come to an event and be ready to speak, uh, you know, with small groups of people or whatever, I actually give them a worksheet ahead of time that really clearly delineates. (laughs) Here's what I want you to do. And here's where I want you to write your reflection down on, you know, what that was like, or here's where I want your answer to this question. Um, Or here's where you're going to jot down your thoughts before the discussion. I may never collect that, but it's a great way to make it super clear what you're asking. And it's also this nice, subtle way to differentiate what's a board role, what's the kinds of information and questions and things they should be pondering versus what's a staff role. Instead of having a big heated conversation around that, the worksheet just kind of guides the discussion. Those are my thoughts on how to help as a staff member. What I'm realizing as we're talking about this is none of these things by themselves are big or revolutionary or even feel like a heavy conversation. It's just acknowledging as a staff person that you can do a whole lot of little things that turn the board experience just slightly to the right direction for them. And, you know, this conversation about worksheets, you know, I love worksheets and there's a wonderful article I read a long time ago that every leader is a teacher Mm -hmm. and, and thinking like a teacher. And we did a recent episode on how to think like a teacher. And one of the things of thinking like a teacher is understanding the impact of cognitive overload Mm -hmm. and that thinking about everything at one time is not possible. It just all logs jams in your brain and that we as leaders who act as teachers can help frame conversations and pace conversations, pace thinking. And that's what your worksheet is doing. It's kind of pacing how people think this question leads to this question leads to this question. And by us doing that work, we will get 
better thinking, more practical thinking, more useful thinking out of our board and save time. Exactly. (laughs) So it goes right back to that time and role. Well, and it also, I find it makes them feel like they're contributing. You know, we hear from staff members, oh, I wish my board would do more. We hear from board members, I don't know what they want me to do. It's this funny, funny disconnect somewhere, you know, somewhere in the middle, there's a communication problem. Mm-hmm. And so things like the worksheet force us to be really clear as staff, what is it I want them to do? And then it mm-hmm. sends to them a clear indication of if you do these things, you have been successful, which highly achieving, busy people love, right? Yeah, they sure do. So what is our word of the week? What ties all this together? Well, I chuckled when you said cognitive overload because I, I fear our word of the week might requ- might, might result <laughs> in a little cognitive overload. I think the word of the week is actually symbiotic. That's what came to mind for me when I started thinking about boards and staff. And what I remember from symbiotic definition from my biology class in high school, right, was that it was like the fungus on a tree and and somehow it that relationship is good for both. What was interesting is when I went to look up the word to make sure I, I was remembering it correctly, because it's been a while, I learned that symbiotic relationships are not always good. They're not always win-win. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a symbiotic relationship can can be that, you know, the fungus is taking more from the tree <laughs> um, and the tree is, is sort of hosting it and and losing in the process, which made me even more realize this is a great word for that board staff in a relationship. It can be symbiotic in terms of the win-win. That's when both groups are being really clear about roles and time and purpose and fidelity to the organization. And it can go totally off the rails and have one parasitically feeding on the other when it's missing those things. And so I think in this case, staff members play a key role in supporting the board in being the catalyst that makes that symbiotic relationship good and win-win. And that's by facilitating and supporting the behavior you actually want to see from your board subtly in all these kind of small ways we've talked about um, to make sure everyone's really clear about how to best use their time and how to make sure they're really doing the role of the board. So interesting. I also looked up the word because it is symbiotic was one of those words that I wanted to remind myself exactly what it means. And when I looked it up, there was a beautiful picture of, I believe, a clownfish nestled among the coral. And it was absolutely beautiful picture. And I thought, what a perfect picture to describe this context, because I think of the clownfish just kind of swimming around and being very busy and getting a lot of work done. And the coral is just standing completely still. Now, board members aren't quite so still, but this notion of being the more still entity that looks and feels radically different from that coral fish or the clownfish, whatever fish it was. And yet together, and I don't want to anthropomorphize another big word, the fish and the coral, but it strikes me that there is that sense of role. And ultimately there has to be a sense of trust. And respect, right? It's respect both ways too. Again, not anthropomorphizing the coral and the fish, but but in a board staff, it's like, I, I know board members really appreciate the hard work and the running around and the busy details that staff keep track of. And hopefully staff respect what perspective can come from being the slightly more stable and highly representative of your community and accountable to your community voice that the board can provide. Both are needed to hold that trust that we're given. 
Very true. Well, you know, it's just true that nonprofits are people powered, regardless of what our mission is, what we do comes down to motivating people. We're constantly trying to navigate how to get board members, staff members, volunteers, donors, and others to take action on the information that we're giving them. Luckily, there's a whole world on brain and behavioral science that we can tap into to make this work easier and more effective. And it often comes down to these small little changes that help reframe what we're up to. We hope this episode has given you food for thought on how you might shift your approach to get a different result. We know you've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.